everybody and welcome to the Resilient Minds podcast. I'm very honored today. Uh, we are being really welcome. I want to really welcome the presence uh, of you, Don Jose, who is because, you know, you, you've, you've been amongst some pretty amazing creative creatives, such as your father. Uh, and... I know that you're bringing a very unique essence of your own into this new uh, era. So I just want to just really, first of all, acknowledge your time, your presence, and just gratitude for you and, and being here with us. So thank you, my friend. It's good to see you. Well, uh, good to see you. <laughs> good to be here with you this afternoon. Uh, so my friend, you're, calling, you're, you're coming in from uh, Salt Lake City, Utah. Yes. And for those that are not aware uh, or are not aware of you, uh, Don Jose Ruiz released his first book, The Fifth Agreement, with his father, uh, Don Miguel Ruiz, for those that may or may not know, who wrote The Four Agreements. So following uh, its publication, Don Jose began traveling around U.S., Mexico, South America, and he really is able to empower and inspire people in many different ways through his lectures, seminars, journeys. Uh, how do I pronounce it? Tech, tech wakan? Oh, uh, tail? Tehuacan. Tail? <laughs> we call it tail. It's, it's easier for pronunciation, but Teotihuacan. And other sacred sites. So where where is Tehuacan? It's like uh, 40 minutes from Mexico City. Okay. So the Aztec side. Yes, it's uh, the, the Toltecs. It, it was before the Aztecs, but that's like a long history. <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm excited to learn. That's good. So so this is good. This is be something that we touch on. Yes. So, so for those of you who don't know, uh, Don Jose's message has been really spent time cultivated in the awareness and heard all over the US, Mexico, Europe, Japan, Israel, South America. These journeys to sacred sites, uh, as many of you know, even for myself, uh, have always been translated into different ways of understanding oneself, uh, into different languages. And he's been able to pass this on in Spanish, French, German. And this message is unique because it starts to really help people come closer to themselves than ever before. Right, his passion to manifest uh, a better future or a more enhanced future for children uh, to stay away from gangs or drugs um, by really stepping into healthy outlets such as creativity, you know, such as music, such as art, culture. Um, so as we continue to come together and we bring this essence, uh, we're excited to uh, share in one another's wisdom. I'm excited to listen to the lineage of what you bring to the table from your ancestry, my brother, and your own life experiences and your family's experiences. And I'm really excited because we both have this same outlook on life where we work for the one, the one creator, the one big teacher, um, and everybody is our equal. So with that, I just, again, wanna say thank you for coming. And uh, bless your beautiful heart, my friend. Thank you. <laughs> so I always start with um, with the show in saying, you know, uh, 
Can you hear me okay? Is, is it echoey or is it okay? I, I can hear you fine. Okay, cool. We put a little. So I always say with the with the beginning of the shows, you know, what is it that our experience allows us to start to cultivate our big why, our big purpose in life? And, you know, you mentioned a lot of the journeys and things like this to sacred sites. So if I may start with, what were these experiences for you and why did you start to go and um, into this this hunger, this yearning to want to understand what these sacred sites were, were manifesting for? Well, in, 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 the, in the first time, the first time I traveled to a site was into my grandparents and father's energy who have been there, who had the energy. Once I felt that energy, when I was like nine or 10 years old, I felt very attracted to it. It's like the energy was calling me and I wasn't resisting it and I let it go. But then in the teenage years is when life begins to train you, not your parents, but life. The people in your school and the, the school kids have their parents and whatever happens in their household goes to the schools. And you know, if you don't uh, educate your children, domesticate your children, someone else will. Yeah. And, 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 and my family were very sure that they get me all the, the, the tools that I needed. When that happens, I ask the question, you know, I begin tasting suffering. Uh, my grandpa died. I begin seeing the other kids in my neighborhood, you know, their parents leaving, and then there was the substance coming in. And before that, I had no clue or no inspiration to go to sacred sites until uh, my father started going in his own journey, taking people to sacred sites. I was getting into trouble. <laughs> then my father began teaching me. Uh, he began training me like in the age of 14, really, uh, 15. And the, the more I go deep into my nightmare, the more he was training me out of my, uh, out of my, you know, nightmare, out of my, you know, I can call it now stupidity, but I didn't know back then, you know, <laughs> on awareness. But he yeah. hit me on track. And then I remember when I was 13 or 14, the first time I went to Teotihuacan, um, it felt like home. But mm -hmm. it's the tricky part here. It may seem that the pyramids felt like home, but it wasn't the pyramids that felt like home. It was something inside of me that felt like home that was connected to the pyramids. And in that moment, um, I, I began learning from my father and my grandmother, going to secret sites and then going to my schools, to my neighborhood. I was like uh, aware and unaware, aware and unaware. And it happened when I was like 15, 16, 17, when I began test testing other, other lands. I went to the power journeys um, with my father to, to Machu Picchu, to Guatemala, to the Yucatan, to Palenque, to Oaxaca, to Teotihuacan, to the Mexico City. And then we started going to, um, to, the, to, to the east, that was India. When I went to India, it was a whole different world. And this time I went as a beggar, as suffering. Uh, I, I, something happened in my own private life, you know? you know, with the substances and, uh, and sexual abuse and all that begin, you know, was being a nightmare. So <clears> I finally <throat> spoke to my father after one of my best friends died. And, uh, and from that point on, him and my mother, Mama Gaya, began teaching me. And then I began going to all this sacred space. Uh, and then when I was 21, 22, uh, after I was named the next successor of my family by my grandmother and my father, I begin now 
teaching. And this is happening when my father was in coma and then we come after his heart attack. He initiated me, so I began teaching by myself. And then when I was 22 years old or 22 and a half or something or 23, something like around that, I took my first power journey to Teotihuacan by myself. And in that moment, I began feeling um, like I was an instrument, mm. like I was a translator mm. of what my eyes and my experience have gone through in life. And then seeing this Teotihuacan, a sacred site, and then the teachings of my father, how he got inspired by seeing Totihuacan, but not as an archaeologist, not to say, read what it's about. No, he began feeling it and creating stories. So in that moment, I began seeing myself as a storyteller, where I know Totihuacan had the energy. And when the people come into this sacred site, it's like they were asking for something in their individual journey. In that moment, I begin being a translator of the energy that he might felt in that time that I was using Totihuacan as you know, a reflection of a mirror, but back again, the home was not Teotihuacan, it was myself reflecting to my other self that was my brother, my sister coming for some advice. And in that moment, I knew that we were more than this physical body, we were the energy. We were the energy contained. So now when I go to all the power spaces that I have the privilege to go to, I see a big mirror because I really see a humanity in all of these sacred places and all these sacred places they have all dreams, if an old story that people build upon, above, 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 above. So they have such wisdom, and that wisdom is silent knowledge. So it's always a privilege for me because I never know when it's going to be my last time going to Teotihuacan or any other sacred site. And you know, and it came a moment that I even overcame the 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 language because I begin seeing, okay, Teotihuacan it means this story, Sedona means this story. You know, all these places have a story. Then I go, why don't we talk about the places that are just pure power, but have no story? And people don't wanna go there because there is no story to get hooked. But I really like to go like the deserts. I pull out in my, in my driveway. And I mean, I drive when I'm driving in, in my car and I'm in the road, I take a time to get out of the car and just see the nothingness. And I feel such sacredness things. And, and then I realized, you know, it's interesting what they have told us what sacred is, that it stops us to feel what sacred is. Mm. Now with this awareness, I go back to Teotihuacan and I see it from a whole point of view. I see the source of a fountain of water, of inspiration, mm. because it's even interesting who friends of mine who live in Mexico City have never gone to Teotihuacan. They always tell me maybe next year. <laughs> mm -hmm. Wow. Tell me, my brother, because this is something that I find, you know, we talk about going to sacred sites and we spend a lot of time getting curious about this as a, as a young, young men, young boys. And you mentioned something super profound that you realize the feeling of that sacredness within yourself. And so it's interesting because, you know, as, as, we go to these sacred experiences or we go through uh, these sacred monuments and we pay attention to the way that they've been built by our ancestors and the golden mean of what those temples, those churches, those sacred places have been developed. They really have the same parameters or the same uh, mathematical equation that our bodies do. 
And so it's interesting to me because that golden mean that, you know, is built outside of us is also the same one that's within us. And so that reflection that you end up uh, feeling, right, and that sacredness that allows us to tap into thyself, what is it that people that maybe are always looking on the outside towards what their needs are, what would you say to anybody that may be listening or curious to find or do to go more inside of themselves? Well, it is interesting because we are programmed to search. Yeah. In any mystery school, religion, we're programmed to search, to find. But in the Totec tradition, when you're tired of searching, you're searching someone else's story or someone else's dream. Then we find out that there's nothing to search for anymore, but is to unlearn, unlearn the ways, unlearn the ways of somebody else's dream and learn our own, own ways. It's like the story of Siddhartha that I love very much is when he wasn't eating, he was just bathing with the trees, with his friends, with that apprenticeship. And then he goes to the river and then this beautiful woman with a beautiful cow, you know, it had him rise. And in the beginning, he said, I cannot do this, you know, but, but then he sees the cow's eyes. He sees her generosity and kindness. He gives him some permission to give that source to the body. Now he picks the rice and puts it in his mouth. Then he feels the body needs to be fed. I don't need to not eat and deny my body for, you know, what? What fault does the body have for what's in my head? The body needs to eat. So in my search, I will give my body food now. So the people who were following him, who created a little dogma of belief system that they're not supposed to eat, after they saw miracles around him, he said, we cannot follow you Siddhartha anymore. And they went away and he said, it's okay. And in that moment, he went to the nothingness. Like I was saying earlier, sometimes you go get out of the car and go to the desert and just bathe. Siddhartha walk in the lands of nature, sat under a body tree and confronted himself, all his lies, until he find his own, you know, spirit alive. And he was the integrity of his authentic self. Even the, even the snake, which represents the, the poisonous part of ourselves, was protecting him from himself, from life. So he became one with the snake, with the poison. And in that moment, now they have shrines of the body tree. <laughs> now they have shrines, you know, there's something magical about that place is, you know, this place is magical as all the other places. But what's magical is that Siddhartha is ready to unlearn, to accept life as it is. And this is the important thing about accepting life. When you find out that you have like 50 years left of life, of health, you're not gonna waste it at all. And then all of a sudden illumination comes, not for what is supposed to be illumination, but what you feel. Wow. This is profound wisdom and profound knowledge. And it's interesting because we just have to listen to the stories. We just have to listen to what our uh, teachers or stories or the, the, the creators of the past have left for us to remember. And it's all little clues. And I always say, 
you know, it's so fascinating because, uh, as you know, uh, Tony, Tony Robbins has been a, a major teacher of mine in my life. And he always says success leaves clues. And I didn't understand what this meant for the longest time because I didn't know what success meant. And so once I defined and understood what success meant truly from within, I realized that as we remember, as we continue to remember the symbols of our ancestry has been left behind so that we can continue to remember language from such a depth from the stories and the monuments and the sacred sites and these different abilities for us to see. And so when you share this, it, it, I literally, my whole body went, <laughs> my whole body felt it. And as we communicate effectively and those that may be hearing and just hearing the story at a surface level rather than really hearing what you're saying, what are, what, what would you say as teachers here, as leaders here, as students of our, our great teacher as well, what would you say to anybody that is just starting on this path of curiosity and maybe before we actually go into that you can share because you know your your father started with the four agreements and you ad added the fifth agreement and maybe the the foundation of following that path could be justified not justified justified may be the wrong word however, educated and empowered to those that want to walk the path of curiosity to follow these agreements so that as they refine themselves, they can continue to generate this listening. So if you don't mind maybe sharing uh, uh, the four agreements and what they mean to you and then why you created the fifth one. Yes. The, the first one is important. The first agreement is to be impeccable with a word. For me, the word is built to create stories, to create beliefs. So if our word is corrupted, whatever home we build with words, whatever story we build, we're going to place ourselves in it, we'll be corrupt, we'll be unhappy, we'll be not our dream. But when we are impeccable with our word, because the word impeccable means without sin. I don't believe in sin. I may, I feel like for me, it's a word to go and judge myself and feel myself shame. I'm not right and wrong. But even with those right and wrong decisions, we learn. So when I'm impeccable, without going against myself, which is sin, going against life, going against you, going against the divine. When one begins being impeccable to use that word, to not use it, oh, I'm stupid, or I'm not good enough, oh, nobody loves me. Is that really real? Or is that a corruption of a foundation of contaminating the word to become the perfect victim, the perfect parasite? And a parasite is a living being that is over living beings. So mm -hmm. I can see myself not being in my impeccable word, being a parasite, 
when I wasn't in my integrity to my family, to my friends, or to anybody who hurts my feelings. In that moment, I couldn't control my poison, which I begin using my words like curses. And you know, curses, it is when you wish somebody ill. When you use the word, that's why they call them curse words. Because if somebody says something mean to us, uh, it can affect us for 20 years. And then later we say, that is not true. When we find out what is the truth and we find the challenges to express what we feel into a word. Now, let's say we put all these words and we feel inspiration. Like, let's say we're gonna make a chant. We make our own words and repeat that 108 times. And we're empowering ourselves, our integrity, our intent. We're controlling the horse from not just babbling or going against our words or just going in a bent or going into a, you know, in any, in any kind of poison coming out of us, but we learn how to control our poison. And that is the challenge of the impeccability of the word, to control what you say, to be a rattlesnake that is full of poison, but to learn how to control your poison like a mature rattlesnake. And in that moment, you become wise. Why? Because you're respecting the word. And in the Bible, it's the first thing that they say. First was the word, and the word was with God, and the word is God. So the word is what creates our realities. So you can see the wars that are happening right now all over the planet. Not just the ones you see on television, all over the planet, they are because it's the war of the gods, the war of wars, the war of beliefs. But if you become more aware, more mature, you see that like children. And it, this is when the second one uh, agreement helps. Do not take anything personal because nothing they did have to do with us. Like my father says, before we were born, there was already injustice, there was poverty, there was evil people, there was negativity. Why should we take blame for that? Mm -hmm. And right now I could see the spiritual community blaming other spiritual community people for what's happening, the justice about the world, but they didn't do that. They're not even qualified to be in the government office, you know? It has to do with old wounds of yeah. the planet. Now, this is very beautiful to wake up to because we can change it. We don't take anybody personal because everybody has the right to live their dream, even ourselves. And when we don't take ourselves personally, it becomes the greatest freedom. Why? Because we begin working with ourselves. Sometimes people pick up a book and be, instead of working with themselves, they want to change everybody else. But when you begin hearing your own complaints, taking yourself personally, and you don't take yourself personal anymore because you know those just thoughts like clouds passing by, you become aware they're not truth. You are aware of the voice of knowledge, the ones that, you know, in religion or mystical school, mystery schools, they try to describe the snake talking in a tree. It was never a tree, it was just imagination, it was metaphors, it had to do with our human brain. Then every human has their tree with their snakes. But when you begin controlling your own snake, it's like Siddhartha, its own parasite protects him from itself because it knows the human language. It doesn't take the world personally anymore. And when you have more love, more light, the darkness is gonna come your way. So how can we take our darkness personally when they're just looking for light, just looking for validation, for love to be accepted? And we begin seeing a human stream in suffering because there is a big addiction in the world. That's why everybody takes everybody so personal. And that addiction, it is the addiction of suffering. We take everything to go against us, our word. But when we begin, you know, 
in that moment of not taking ourselves personally, everything begins changes. You begin living with respect, even the people who are trying to be negative. You know, in that moment, you begin seeing what it is. Then you begin freeing yourself from judging, from, you know, being the inquisitor, inquisitor and you're not hurting other people because it's not by your, you know, by your rules of your own heaven. Then in that moment, you stop making assumptions. That's the third agreement, to not make assumptions because we don't know what's happening. Even with my parents, I don't know what they're thinking or what they have gone through in life. Even with my partner, you know, I don't know what's going on in, 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 in the life. You know, with my, with my brothers, with my sisters, I don't know anybody, really. I just know the secondary characters that exist in my head. And in that moment, if I have a question to ask them, that is, you know, instead of making assumption and, you know, gossip, I just go and say, you know, he's feeding my head. And this is what many people are afraid of. And when you find a, a respect to talk to people, you know, to not make assumptions, you're not attacking them, you're just getting something out of your mind, you're cleaning up. And um, the fourth agreement is my father's favorite. And without this one, none of them will have life. That's why he likes it, he says. And it's always do your best. And when you do your best, how can you judge yourself for not doing, you know? You did everything you can. And when you do your best every day, every day, every day, you know, you begin to unlearn. Sometimes we used to take something so personal that we don't anymore. And this leads me to the fifth agreement. I said to my father, you know, how can I repay you for everything that you have given me, teaching me? And he said, take care of my son. I don't have to know, but you will know. And from that point on, brother, I take care of his son. And then I go, how am I going to take care? Well, it's the fifth agreement to be skeptical but learn to listen. Mm -hmm. If I say I'm not deserving happiness, is that really true? I'm not meant for love. Is that really true? I'm skeptical of my own negativity. In that moment, I begin to unlearn. And when I begin to unlearn what is destroying, because Totec means artist of the spirit. When I begin to unlearn what takes my inspiration away in life, I begin to inspire myself in life. And before I used to think that I have to be, you know, this persona that I have to be, you know, sacrificing for people. But then I find out that people begin enabling themselves with me. Then in that moment, I realized, you know, if I really respect these people, I, re I re will reflect them, you know, my love. And if they hurt me, I have nothing to do there. And you know how I learned this? With my puppy. My puppy only goes where it's loved, where it gets petted. It doesn't go where it's abused, where it gets hurt, where it's jealous. He just follows inspiration to open heart. In that moment, I begin following my own inspiration to open my heart. But it would not be possible if I wasn't skeptical of my own negativity. And every day now that I wake up now, it's been like a 14 years since the FIFA agreement came out. But every time I wake up after that, uh, awareness in that kind of life, I say, may life protect me from myself. And this is the, the, the agreement that I have with myself. Be kind to the son of my father, that is me. Wow, I see you, my brother. And I feel this depth is so important. 
I uh, really resonate with this experience of recognizing this ancient philosophy that you're bringing within the underlying of these five agreements that we're actually here experiencing ourselves. The, the greatness of recognizing that we're here alone. And in having this mirror and recognizing how we attracted each other, right? Uh, to each other's life is a blessing, is a great blessing. And I think that sometimes in the past, I definitely, from my own perspective, would never have understood the things that had come up in my life were of my own responsibility, um, were of my own doing. And I would try to blame a lot of the outside world for my decisions where I would either blame, persecute, or try even to save. And this is a very, you know, as you know, a very egoic pattern and the more that I understood these agreements and the more that I understood the levels of integrity that I really learned to go inside and, 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 and learn to understand the importance of our state, you know, of our language, of our focus, of the way that we move our body and the way that that communication comes through everything that we discuss. In this curiosity continued to unfold as I spent time down in the sacred spaces in South America, uh, with you know different indigenous people from the Shipibo to uh, the Honey Queens or the Yawanawa, and they taught me to really start to understand and un and, and unlearn a lot of these uh, mystery schools, as you call them, and. Uh, I, I really enjoyed recognizing the power of presence, of just deep presence of what, what this meant and how we could become aware of the things that we're saying and then as a result, just go and be it. And I realized that the more, whether I was <clears throat> in ceremony or uh, in life, everything became one, mm -hmm. and it real. I made my. I started to understand that this discernment of this uh, this reality and the illusion of separation to the next life and the next life and the lives before came. I recognized that there's a story. And this story, I get to choose. For me, this was a very big breakthrough because I realized in those moments of where I was triggering individuals because of my light. And as you brought the, as you mentioned, the darkness started to come even more because my light started to shine. And people would come and they would approach me and they would challenge me and they would say what I can't do or, or, or put limits on me, I would recognize and say, hey, I have to have compassion for you. And I, would, and I would continue going. And it was beautiful because 
the, the masters of the ceremony would observe and they would watch my behavior and the way that I would continue to dance and express myself in these sacred experiences and completely be connected to something greater than ourselves. They would come up by the end of the ceremony and they would start dancing with me. They would start expressing with me. They would start shining their light with me. And by the end of by the end of them, they they gave me these great these great gifts and and uh, expressions from their heart that made me feel like they really saw me as well. Mm. And these were the things that allowed me to understand that in the ceremony, that life is the ceremony. These anchor points of what they gave me as gifts and they put on my head or around my around my neck and they were willing to uh, share that with me in an open where, where everyone else where most other people were triggered they allowed me they, they gave me the opportunity and the wisdom to say keep shining and then I was able to amplify this into all other areas of my life where I would start recognizing that life is our altar and each moment is our prayer. And this is where my, where I really started to express this quote. So for those of us that, so, so for most people that maybe are unaware of the sacredness of each moment, because this is the sacred moment, mm -hmm. this moment of presence with one another, of deep listening, of curiosity, of listening to one another, and, utilizing the agreements to, to continue to keep us on our journey and keep us on the path. What would you suggest to the importance of people paying attention to the trust within themselves when they do get triggered by these mirrors or the outside world that may take them or make them want to tap back into that ego of blame, of shame, of lower vibration that may take them into some sort of darkness that they need to experience so that they can heal it. Yes, the the most thing that will always return us to to our to our truth, to our sacred grounds is honesty. Yes. Whatever we feel, we're honest about it. Whatever temptations we have, we're honest about it. And then when we're not trying to hide or shame or, you know, or guilt, you know, you know, I don't want to be the one being seen, you know. No, if you're honest about it, you're confronting. Once again, I go back to Siddhartha because I love his story. He's in the Bodhi tree in front of the river. Now all these images of hatred come out of his own reflection. But he knows what it is. He's the celestial fire. Like when you were dancing, all this opinion came to you, but you continue dancing. The masters begin seeing you speak because they witness the celestial fire inside of you, within you, the fire within, glowing. And that is more powerful than any words. And in that moment, that honesty was, you know, even though I feel hurt, the fire is going to burn this pain away because I'm here and I am alive and I am the fire. 
That's why many people have not understood what the celestial pirate is because they're actually looking for flames. But it's the fire of life when you connect to one another. So when you're honest with yourself, saying, I'm having a bad day today, this is the FIFA agreement going back to be skeptical, but learning to listen. Or it could be like in another story of Jesus being in the desert confronting the snake, the devil. But it's no snake, it's no devil, it's himself. He's confronting his own emotions. Then at one point in life, after we deal with such negativity coming in our way, many people have described the underworld, the darkness, and they think that it's a tunnel, that it's a cave, but no, it's when we suffer in life. There, there comes a moment where our celestial fire is so big that problems come our way because life knows that we can take it. Mm. And one day I asked my father, is it, is it strange, Father, that sometimes I like to be judged? Even though I feel it, but I don't believe it. And he laughs and goes, why? It's because that's when I get my creativity. How to overcome. And I create stories. I create, you know, these stories that come from my head like a movie. But I create it as uh, evidence of a witness seeing an autopsy of my pain. Mm -hmm. But not believing it. Or like Shiva, he put the poison on his throat but didn't swallow it. But he knew it was there because you can begin seeing all these poisons. So when people begin screaming at you, begin being negative at you, you don't take them personally because you see it from a different point of view, not as a victim, but as that celestial fire, knowing that these people are asking for help. Yeah. And how do we know this? It's because once we were like that, asking for help. And what got us that help, it was being honest. And who helped us? Not anybody else. We helped ourselves. When you begin helping yourself, you have found your ally because you are aligned to your spirit, to your divine, to your instrument, to your artist. And this hand creates, but who's giving the energy and the gift for this hand to create? Oh, it comes from my thoughts. Oh yeah, good. But what's giving the energy to my thoughts is the celestial fire. It's the energy that we really are. Is the energy that cannot be destroyed. Yes, I may be called Jose, Jose, Luis, whatever my name is for other people, but I know that is not real. That is the dream of humanity. So the dream of humanity wants to justify that he knows everything in the universe. But what happens when you put a lot of information into a computer, let's say from 10 years ago, it will crash. Or 15 years ago, because there was no cloud. It will run slow. And sometimes with all these beliefs and all this knowledge, we can go close to the truth because it's already handed us, like if it was like an Ikea, you know, the, to, to set something up, you know? And the thing about our life is that there has no instructions. There is no instruction for our life. We figure it out as the way we live, as the mistakes that we've done. And then at one point those mistakes were not mistakes. They were what made us. So, you know, I may not have come to the university of, you know, schools, but I know that I've gone to the university of life and pain was the teacher. And the biggest lesson of pain was getting out of that lifestyle of pain life. Then when one gets out of the pain style of life, like if it was, if it's with another human in a relationship or it's in a working place or, you know, when one gets out of that painful dream and then wakes up in another dream where it's inspired, when it's living once again, when it's resurrected, and it didn't have to die to resurrect. It just had to let go of an old belief behind. 
And this is honoring our celestial fire. We have so many lives in this world. Forget about the cats who have nine lives. I can count when I was uh, in elementary school, in junior high, in my 20s and 30s, I have many lives. And all those people, I'm not anymore. And some people, like I used to do, I used to punish myself for the life that I live as a teenager in my 30s. And that part of my teenager was dead. But I was still believing that character that it was until I began really seeing the celestial fire. And the celestial fire, you know what he told me? He said, you have all these human years remaining, maybe. How are you going to live them? And then my service is different. My service, it may seem that it's to the outside, but the service is to Mother Earth. It's my physical body because that is part of Mother Earth. And overcoming machismo and all what it means to be the machista, I'm not embracing the femininity in your own physical body, that's Mother Earth. I can begin serving. And in that moment, I can see the whole world as an equal. This, this dance of the masculine and feminine presence is one of such virtue and deep knowing. And I think that most of the time, because of what has happened in the past, right? And this, this, this illusion of the separation and really going out into the world and go, go, go without actually paying attention to the body and the surroundings of our feminine mother, within, around, everywhere, I find that we must spend, as we take better better care of our body, we take better care of our, our body, like inside and out. And it, it's beautiful that you bring up um, the mother because, you know, with the Loka Foundation right now uh, from Oneness University, uh, with Krishnaji and Sri Prithaji, uh, Loka, their daughter, um, they have created the Loka Foundation and uh, they are doing a walk to remember on the 23rd, 24th and 25th in December uh, in India, in Ch just north of Chennai, uh, about how to remember and take care of the connection of our mother, of, our, of the body. Uh, because of taking care of each other, because I, I've really enjoyed working with them and supporting because it's really a, a group of youthful missionaries, I would call them, that are focused on really taking care of this feminine nature. And I feel that now is our time to really, as youth, come together and remind even the younger generation of what it means to be of the mother of our great feminine virtue and so what would you say for anybody that is really maybe uncertain of what that means because again in the past myself included jose was like i was so focused on the material the like go 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 the masculinity energy that was just like ego it's all about me it's all about you have to make this happen and i love that energy of mine i still because it, it serves a great purpose of 
driving me inside. And now I can use that fire, to, <laughs> that celestial fire to continue to shine. And I believe that as, as you, that our life is really meant for something greater. So by serving our divine feminine. So how would you say that a, a man can really hold more space for a woman or a man can hold, the masculine can hold more space for, for the feminine to really allow that that nature, that nurture to shine, to expand, to ex appreciate versus trying to minimize and compact and keep it small. Because I think there's a beautiful dance there where we really need to come together. And, and it's so simple because it's about gratitude. When you have gratitude, it opens all eyes and shuts, the, and shuts up the mind. Why? Let's say one is about to die, but it doesn't die. Now it just sees with the eyes of gratitude. And especially gratitude to the divine mothers who brought us to this world. They are the portal of the infinite to this world. And they hold a certain vibration. And when you are a service to that vibration, it's so beautiful because you begin a service, you know, and then all of a sudden that service, like if you go to an ashram or you go to a temple, you begin doing service or you go to the mountain, begin cleaning up or go to the ocean, begin, it, it becomes a service. But at the end of the day, it may seem that the service was the divine mother, but the service is to the mother within you because automatically you have so much gratitude to embrace this beauty. And that's why I love Krishna a lot because it embraces the beauty of the divine mother and the feminine without fearing to be bullied or shaming itself, it just allows itself to be that beautiful. And when you begin getting inspired by this beautiful, we get back to nature because nature is beautiful. And what happens when we see the ocean, when we see the trees, when we see, you know, a, a, a little puppy or a little animal just so cute and just looking at you, there's no words. They're taking you to a journey to connect with yourself. And that is the gratitude to become one. And it, it's it so funny sometimes when you begin, you know, taking care, like right now, I have this stray cat that was, you know, in the summer, it was so heat, it came out to the house and then I got another cat and then I get another like three squirrels coming and they all that come because I offer them offerings, which is food and water. And now they're grateful because they don't have fear over me that I'm a human, but at the beginning they did, they were cautious, but at one moment I just begin serving. I turn around and leave. But one day they begin, all of them in different times, being close to me because they begin a trust. Now, could you imagine if the little animals or other humans can trust you? It's because you can trust yourself. Yes. And when you feel that you're not a predator, you're in service and you're not trying to suppress divine women. You're not trying to have the last words. You're just here live with respect because one day you're not gonna be here. So you take all of what separates you from enjoying the time with you away. And no one needs to know, but we know. We know. 
And that what makes a difference. No one can take that away from us. We don't even have to debate it because it's not true for other people, it's true for us. So this is our dream, our world. And people who come to our world, they respect our world or they're not even welcome in our world anymore, not in person, no. We just now cannot fool ourselves anymore. Do you feel that sometimes you're misunderstood? No, many times. Because, yeah. you know, like my father always said, I'm responsible for what I say. I'm not responsible for what other people listen. You know, sometimes uh, someone tells me their things and I just repeat their things and they attack me. <laughs> yeah. But I'm just, you know, a mirror. <laughs> and that's why I said earlier, when people attack you, it's because they're asking you for help. And especially in the spirituality world, sometimes people don't want to change. They come to the hospital, which is spirituality, and they deny being the patient and they want to become the doctor. Mm -hmm. Don't tell me what I do, I know everything. And this is the, the thing that's happening around in spirituality with social media and everything, you know, people are running away from their honesty. They're beginning to be, well, actors. <laughs> Pretending to themselves, I don't mean with anybody else. But when you don't pretend to yourself, when you're honest with yourself, there is a real transformation there. That you don't have to tell anybody, I'm changed, I promise you I changed. No. Your walk on your own talk, it makes that change. Like I, one day woke up, I was almost having a heart attack. I was out of condition. I was weighing like 250 pounds. And one day I woke up and said, that's it. I begin eating well, begin, you know, exercising, I begin learning. And in one year I dropped all that pound and I, I begin having my, my, my health and I'm healthier now than I was in my twenties and thirties because now I'm in service to the love of my life. And even then people say that I'm uh, body chaining, that I'm doing this other stuff, you know, and I, am, I already expect that's going to happen. You know, when you talk about something it's because people talk about what's going on in their world. Mm. If they have judgments about me is how they judge themselves and i know this because i was a big judge until i say to my father i'm i i, I reach a certain point of laziness and it, he first thought i needed to work no 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 it's not that kind of laziness i like working don't get me wrong i'm lazy to talk to people you know from a negative point i'm negative to waste my time debating for something that they don't even care to, to change i want peace in order to have peace they have to have their world. Peace is everything. And I find it's it really it's I find that the more that we learn and the more that uh, we allow ourselves to step into the, the identity that, that we are and that we know, uh, there's nothing left to prove before. For me, it was very much about needing to prove. Ah, we can do this, you know? And now I realize that it's the right people. Uh, you just attract them. And we stick together and we know what we're here to do because we know. And now it's about just moving together and allowing that to just happen versus seeking it to happen. Yeah. 
Yeah, it's, it, it, magic happens when you surrender. Yeah. So much magic happens. And sometimes I find it like a divine comedy. You yeah. know why? Because I say, you know, I want this to happen. I want this to happen. And that's like five years ago. And then I detach in the third year. And then in the fifth year, it lands like if a leaf and fall in my hands. And then well, I don't want it now. I was just being, you know, obsessed. And that obsession of the finished outcome that I wanted to see, that's what's blinding me. So I really have to now see what's inspiration and what's obsession. That, that's really worked for me a lot. Yeah. My brother, this has uh, been a blessing of a conversation. I feel very, uh, a beautiful mirror, a beautiful reflection of what's possible. And as we continue to create, I look forward to spending more time together. Uh, I'm always here for you. And, you know, we were seriously, you know, connected at a very internal space. If anybody wants to connect with you, find out more information about what you're up to in the world and what you're developing and, and how you're showing up, where can they reach out to find out more information? What can they do to, to find maybe if there's any a way to work with you? How is that possible, my friend? Oh, thank you for sharing. Uh, um, I appreciate it. And you can find out uh, doing it in my father's uh, page, miguelreese.com. That's what we, the family, me, Michael, and uh, Carl and Aaron are doing. And also, uh, I have an Instagram page. It's the only official social media that I have. And I, I sometimes put videos uh, every week and some art. But right now, after, after in September, I took a little break from every week putting videos up. So I'm taking a little break from doing videos, but I probably will be doing videos again in the upcoming months. But that's where I like to just create art. Whatever's in my mind, I like to put it through there. <laughs> Amazing. Amazing. So, uh, and I'll show, I'll share all the information in our show notes. And before you go, uh, Jose, what would you say if you had three days left to live in the physical, what would you do? First of all, says, okay, I have three campuses, empty campuses left to do, and I will make each campus a masterpiece of art. And I would enjoy every moment, look into my loved one's eyes and, and create like if I was gonna live forever, but I will continue on being the artist of the spirit that I am. And the art, it is the giving the best dream for the love of my life that is me. And when I give the best for the love of my life, I can give it to all my loved ones. But those three days, they will be like the rest of my life a vacation. Mm. Beautiful. So exactly what I'm hearing is exactly what you're already doing. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much. Uh, Thank you, brother. For, for really coming on the show. I'm really grateful to all the work that you've been doing. I'm grateful to your father, to your family, and to what you continue to manifest in the physical. I'm grateful to the ancestors and to our great teacher um, for continuing to bringing us together allowing us to, to create and co-create. I'm confident that we're going to manifest even more power in this world together uh, because uh, that's what we're here for, is to, it's time to now bring it together. Yes. Yes, I love how to celestial dance floor 
is making a fire of inspiration. <laughs> it's contagious. <laughs> hey, everyone, and thank you so much for listening to The Resilient Minds. I hope you enjoyed the show. Please make sure to go comment and like and follow us on iTunes or Spotify. And make sure, please make sure that if you really love this, to share this episode and make sure that you're inviting all your friends to like it as we continue to unfold what the beauty of our minds does. More importantly, how powerful our heart level of intelligence can be when we combine our heart and our brain together. And more importantly, make sure you take the time to take a look at what we're doing at Balanced Media Ventures and how we can actually really support you in doubling your impact, your income, and your influence, and how you can bring your life's greatest vision into your purpose and create it from that level of reality. Talk to you soon.